Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our latest ebook, Assessing the State of Your Business, Start with Sales. In it, you'll learn how to troubleshoot your sales problems using the sales performance assessment and create a plan to drive sustained growth in 2020. Be sure to download a copy. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod197. This is Ariana Miskell, and today I'm talking to our operations officer and senior advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. Hello, everybody. And marketing and sales coordinator, Laura Marchoff. Hi, everyone. So thank you both for being here today. And as I said earlier, the theme for this month is assessing the state of your business, and our discussion today will address how you can create your very own sales snapshot using the sales performance assessment, implement new sales initiatives, and maximize your company's sales potential in 2020. So let's start with the first question. Why should our listeners start by assessing the state of sales, and how can they do so? So first of all, sales is the uh, foundation of your business. Virtually everything that you do and the results of that is dependent on your sales growth. But it's really easy to get caught up in your day-to-day and not take that time to look at the big picture. But doing so is very, very important. Um, So first, I'd recommend starting by developing a sort of sales snapshot. Take a look at the weaknesses and the strengths of your business and use our uh, sales performance assessment to generate some sort of report that highlights those things and lets you know where you have room to improve. Yeah, I have a really similar thought um, on this question as well because uh, as Laura mentioned, sales funds everything in your business. And so if you have weaknesses in the area of sales, If you don't address them, you won't be able to afford to make the improvements that you want to make to drive um, other investments, other initiatives uh, over the course of the next year. And so it's really all about um, building that, that foundation for your company's growth in the coming year. When it comes to assessing the state of your business, assessing what's happening and and what's working and what's not, um, a lot of times people just take that really high level, oh, sales is falling a little short. Okay, we're going to need to fix that next year. Now what's going on with product? What's going on with marketing? And they don't necessarily take the time to really take a deep dive into why sales isn't working. You know, is it lo- is it um, in one region? Is it um, related to uh, a specific team or or individual? Or is it one product line that's falling short? And I know, I mean, people don't ignore that, but I think people don't often really take the deep dive into it that they need to. And it's just, hey, sales, you you know, you were at ninety percent uh, next year. I really need you to hit one hundred percent. And and a lot of times, it's kind of up to just sales leadership to really drive that assessment. But if if the organization is focused on strategic planning and, and growth and trying to drive improvement, at, a, at an entire leadership level, they really need to understand what's working in sales, what isn't working in sales, and what are we going to do to improve it, to change things. Because it has to be um, an initiative that the entire leadership team is really invested in and, and comes behind. And so um, assessing the state of sales if you, if you use a simple process for it and everybody can just understand it and buy in, then you can move on to assessing other parts of your business at that same kind of high level. 
Absolutely, and there are common problems that we see in in a lot of our clients uh, and their businesses that kind of fall into a certain category, and I'm sure that um, if you created a, a list of said common problems and you looked at that and compared it, matched it against your performance, you would find that, hey, I'm actually experiencing this too, and there is a solution for this. Absolutely. So the next question is, what problems does the sales performance assessment solve? Yeah, so that kind of um, addresses what I was just talking about in terms of really, rather than just having a high level, oh, we're, we're struggling in sales, it really lets you figure out where your problems are. It's not just sales fell short of its target. Um, who's involved? What are the teams? What are the individuals, the departments that are causing the problem? Is it salespeople? Are, do you have a bunch of salespeople that aren't hitting their targets? Okay, that's that's important to know. Is it concentrated in one region or with one industry? Um, or is it in general? Are all your new hires failing? Only your experienced reps are hitting targets. So really figuring out kind of what, where it is. Is it marketing that's that's giving bad information to sales or has a weird message that, that isn't resonating with the audience? And then maybe maybe it's not your people. Maybe everybody seems like they're doing the right things. Is it a system or a process issue where you have a really complicated sales process? We've seen clients where they actually had a sales process that seems to inhibit sales, <laughs> that made it really difficult for customers to buy. And if, if you make it difficult for people to buy from you, you're going to see lower sales than you could if, if it's easier. Um, and sometimes it's just, maybe it's it's your offering. Maybe it's a mismatch to what the market is looking for. Maybe um, you came out with a product and it doesn't have the key features that people expect in a product today. And so your sales team can go out there and work as hard as they can and, and they're still not going to achieve their targets. And so using a sales performance assessment, using the sales snapshot, that really gives you uh, a sense of where the problem actually exists so you know what to do to take that next step forward. Absolutely. And there are also other issues such as lack of documentation. You know, we find that most top performing sales organizations have those documented processes. And maybe you're hiring and onboarding people that are unaware of that because there is no documentation. And then you're kind of left in the dark surprised at the poor performance um, when it's actually an internal issue. Um, I would also add uh, that another thing is uh, uh, lack of training adoption. Maybe you're investing into sales training, but it's not really sticking. That's also something to look into. Maybe you need to hire uh, an external consultant to help you create a process catered to your sales team. Um, that, that could also be a solution to any one of your uh, issues in performance. Definitely. It's just so incredibly important to figure out what are the what are the unique dynamics of your situation, of your problem. And having a structured assessment really does that. Again, it, it gets to specifics rather than keeping you at that high level. Great. So assessing is just one half of the equation, but implementation is the other. Successful implementation is easier said than done. Mm. So... <laughs> How can sales leaders successfully implement new sales initiatives? So first of all, it really is all about building a culture of accountability in your, in, within your sales team. Um, we found that the American Society of Training and Development determined that you are 65% more likely to complete a goal if you commit to being held accountable by someone. And if you meet that with that person consistently, you will increase your chance of success 
up by up to 95%. So this is a very significant statistic that proves that building that sort of culture within your uh, company, setting clear expectations and measurable go goals, um, soliciting open and honest feedback from your team can actually help contribute to you successfully implementing an initiative. If you're all on the same page, then your team will willingly adopt a new process or tell you, hey, you know, something about it isn't working. Could we fix this and actually improve it for the best? Um, yes, I would, I would say that that is the most important. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more, Laura. It's it's so incredibly important. And a lot of times I think organizations don't really have a sense of what is the level of accountability you have. So it's something else to consider as you're as you're evaluating and doing that assessment is, you know, if we were to tell people um, we're, we're implementing this new process, how many of the salespeople would actually follow that process? How many of the sales managers and leaders would follow and, and enforce that process? And if you cannot say with confidence that that if you rolled something out and, and it wasn't just, you know, off the wall ridiculous, um, that people would execute it, you know you have a problem with accountability. Um, what I would recommend considering is just the concept of change management. A lot of times people think of change management as only needing to happen in extremely complex situations. You know, we had an acquisition or, or we're doing a merger. Obviously, we need a change management strategy for that. But if you're implementing a new system, a new process, um, if you're hiring some new people, if you're maybe creating a different role in sales, we're seeing that a lot. Maybe you're creating a junior account exec role or um, lead gen team or bringing in sales assistants or something like that. You need to figure out what's our change management approach. And so I wrote an ebook on change management a couple years ago, and I'm sure we'll include a link to that in the show notes. But we put the the basic model of change management, a simple 10-step model in this ebook as well. And it really gets into, from, from the very beginning, how do you set the foundation for a successful initiative? Because one of the biggest problems that we see, and this happens all the time, people at a leadership level have had a lot of discussions about a problem. Right, So you're doing a sales assessment and you determine that the problem is that we're not effectively onboarding people. And so then you figure out your plan for how you're going to improve that so that you, you hire the right people and onboard them effectively. And you did all that work and all that thinking. And then you roll out, you come to the team, you're like, ta-da, we have this new thing. And nobody was on that journey with you to get to that decision that you made. And so what happens is they're lacking that context. They're lacking that why. And they're like, you're implementing a new onboard. Why? Like, what's the purpose of this? This is just busy work. This is just more that you want us to do. And so if you set um, the basic foundations, you know, the first three steps are identifying your why, getting the organizational buy-in, aligning on goals and developing metrics. All of that needs to happen. And so often we see people do a shortcut at the beginning of that process. They're skipping that foundation of change management. And they're like, why isn't it working at the end? It's because you didn't lay the foundation. Then getting into kind of the middle steps, and I'm kind of bunching them together for, for time. But um, thinking about uh, getting a bunch of people involved, you know, having a cross-functional group of, of people that are implementing any pro program that you have. Figuring out um, what, are the, what are the areas of potential resistance? What are the, who are the different um, stakeholders that are impacted and how are they impacted by this? You know, there are some people who are going to be the ones 
participating in the process, but most processes touch all kinds of other departments. So are they on the loop? Do they understand what's happening? Are they gonna get a different report or you know, get things at a different timetable? Are expectations gonna change? You know, It used to be that we had a, a 48 hour SLA and now we need to switch that to 24 hour or 16 hour or eight hour. Um, does everybody know that and, and can they adjust? Um, and then just on an ongoing basis, do you have a communication plan? Do you have an appropriate training and rollout plan? Do you have a plan for collecting feedback and making adjustments? And all of those are the core principles of change management. And so often we see people just like come in, it's like a cannonball, just like here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's your new your new system. Uh, we have a new CRM system, guys, or we bought you a new sales enablement tool. Use it. You know, Here's how you hook it up in your email. Here's, here's how you use it. And it's just like, you're missing all that beginning. You're missing all that middle. You're missing most of the end. And you're doing one of those 10 steps. Like, why doesn't it work? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not all that complicated. I would add that we um, also have a great ebook on advisors, coaches, and mentors that can help you uh, figure out how to establish that coaching plan, why it's important, and how to sort of encourage your uh, sales reps to, to seek out mentorship. Definitely, definitely. It's so important. And it's something that you as a leader can really do for your team to encourage and enable them along this path. Because it's not just on you. Um, there's a lot that, that you can kind of engage other people to step up. Awesome. So how can leaders ensure they maximize their sales potential moving forward into 2020? Yeah, so I kind of touched on this in the last question. But it's for me, it's all about really continuing to evaluate what's working, um, you know, solicit feedback, as well as look at actual tangible results. You know, it's that anecdotal as well as the data-based um, evidence and adjust as necessary over time. It's, it's amazing how often you see people kind of develop a strategy and stick to that strategy as it's failing <laughs> and they just kind of keep going and then they get into some cost fallacy of like oh it's not working yet but we'll make it work and they haven't like sometimes you just need to make a small tweak sometimes you need to just say you know what we were wrong <laughs> let's let's throw this out entirely and so really um get that feedback and then figure out what's your plan for ongoing training ongoing growth and development for you and your team like laura was talking about do you have a coach do you have you supported your team members in finding coaches or mentors? Um, do you have either an internal kind of structured process or at the very least, you know, general guidelines and advice? Or do you have an open door policy? Um, how are you supporting people? Really investing in individuals and focusing on feedback would be my my two key things. Absolutely. I, w- I would include that uh, one important thing that sort of touches on all of that is being an active listener and a problem solver, both uh, when you're in the in the team in the context of a team, and when you're discussing uh, client problems with a client, it's really important to keep um, yourself open for that feedback, and then take it and actually create a plan to address it. Be it again for your client or in a team setting. I love that. Yeah, it's it's funny how people think. Oh, I'm just going to ask for feedback. And that's it. Like, I'll just say, you know, what feedback do you have? I think we did a whole podcast on asking for feedback. I will try to figure out what this was. I remember having this conversation, which is why I said that. But, um, you know, there are, there are ways that you can ask for feedback that are going to drive effective feedback. And there are ways that you can ask for feedback where people are just like, oh, that's fine. 
Um, so are you giving people you know, advance notice? Mm -hmm. um, do they understand that it's okay to give negative feedback? Have you actually shown them how you how you receive negative feedback and, and is it good or do you blow up at people and they know that they can't do it well, we have an ebook about that too on self-awareness yes so. that might be um that i think that is actually the conversation so the ebook on self-awareness and then we, we recorded a podcast where we were talking about mm -hmm. it and one of the key parts of self-awareness is soliciting feedback and there are effective ways to do that and ineffective ways to do that so make sure you understand you know if every time you ask for feedback people say oh it's great you have a problem <laughs> and you have to figure out why is it that they're you know either afraid to give you feedback or they don't have time to review stuff in depth there's some reason that you're not getting constructive criticism and um, it's worth taking the time to figure that out because what that tells you is that there are gaps that you're not finding out about because you don't have a culture that really empowers effective feedback Awesome. So last month we talked about and wrote about the importance of building and implementing a sales playbook. So how important is it for sales leaders to employ a sales playbook in this process? Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, documentation is very, very, very important because this way you can track um, the progress you've made on implementing these new sales initiatives, whether or not the team is responding well to them, whether or not there should be something changed about them to improve a process or, or, or cycle. Um, and you can also track employee activity. So one thing that we do for our clients is the accountability scorecard. And um, from my experience, it's, it's great to just see that activity and where there are gaps as well so that we can nudge that team uh, member or coach in the right direction to encourage uh, someone to participate and, and actually um, develop their weekly goals or their prospecting action plan and so forth. So the playbook really is a great tool to help you document how this process is going and what can you do to make sure that the entire team is bought in and participates? Definitely. Um, you know, it's a great place to capture and share, for example, what are the results of that sales performance assessment that we were talking about at the beginning? Um, and you have to figure out, obviously, are you sharing information with everybody or is some information is going to be restricted to leadership? But even when I was talking about, you know, in terms of change management, you need to communicate that why, you need to communicate even the status of initiatives that are happening. The playbook is a great place to do that. You know, um, hey guys, as a reminder, we, we decided that we were going to, you know, implement some various sales enablement tools here. You know, this one's coming in June. This one is going to be up and running by February 1st. Um, you know, here are all the training documentation for it. Here's the recorded rollout webinar, whatever it was, um, kind of collecting all of that information about those initiatives. And then in general, one of the key things that almost every organization can benefit from is capturing and documenting tribal knowledge. And no matter what your sales growth strategy is, no matter where you determined you have areas for improvement, I would almost guarantee that one of the things that you want to do is capture some information about it um, for the future, whether it's here's our process or here's a, here's a training area, here's an area where we see that uh, you know, best practice that our key performers are using that other people don't seem to be aware of. And so that's the whole point of a sales playbook is to pull that together in one place and really encourage people to, um, to be able to implement those best practices. Absolutely. 
Awesome. As always, do you have any other actionable tips for sales leaders to implement in their sales playbook? So my most important principle, I, I've talked about this a couple of times, but I'm going to spend a little bit of time um, kind of diving in on, on how you would actually do this, but is when you're t sharing updates, consistently reinforce your why, right? So let's say you decided to roll out a new technology platform and um, you, you, you figured out that, you know, we don't have the right the right tools that are in place to, to help people. Um, we're going to implement something that's going to manage nurturing leads and um, you know AI stuff, sending these emails out to people and then handing them off to sales. And so you made that decision in October, November timeframe. Then you're going to have, first of all, a process around choosing a solution around once you've decided on the one that you're gonna have, um, that you're gonna have to set it up and customize it, you're gonna have to actually design what all those emails look like, you should be communicating with the team from that very first discovery that we need to implement this. And one of the most important you know, actionable tips to have is have a have a project page where you're just sharing with people. Here's you know here's here's what's happening. Here's the current status. Here's the timetable for what's coming next, and keep that up to date. And make sure every time you give an update to the team, you know, because sometimes you're going to push an update out, whether it's in a sales meeting or in an email. Um, go back to the beginning. Take people on that journey with you. As you remember, when we were assessing our, our sales concerns for you know 2019, we realized that that nurturing leads and and qualifying and and, and getting engagement from people was a big time sink. And so we decided to implement a lead nurture tool. And here's the status of it. And you will feel silly. You will feel repetitive. You will feel pedantic. But there are people who are not reading every email and are not cat you know they're not on top of all of this like you are they're not buried in this project and they're going to see an email and it will be the first time this has actually entered their brain that this tool is coming out and if you have the why in there it's it's going to help it, they're not going to be surprised they're not going to be confused you're probably not going to have people calling you or, or kind of storming into your office like what what is this what's happening um, and so really just make sure you're, you're sharing those updates but you're consistently tying them back to the why every single time um, that's the foundation for really effectively um, driving any sort of initiative for for sales growth absolutely that's a great tip and i totally agree um, for me i would add a tool that uh, ariana and i are very passionate about the problem opportunity <laughs> matrix um, as you all know we're both in marketing so we use that a lot to develop the collateral that we need um, but overall, this tool has a, a lot of potential for um, sales growth, especially for your sales reps, because they're able to identify common problems um, that clients are facing that perhaps you don't have marketing material for, or perhaps you're not really addressing with your product. Let's say the common problem that's contributing to a, a, a lack of sales growth for your company is a poorly positioned product. Well, how would you know that if you um, didn't sort of uh, have your sales rep talk to uh, buyers and figure out, okay, what are they actually looking for? Um, what are their actual problems? Are we really addressing them as a company um, or with our product? So marking all of that down and having a place to continuously add those problems to will help create solutions, will help create um, the, the, the 
script that um, your rep is going to use when talking to a, a client and whatnot. This is a very powerful tool and it contributes to um, helping with another common problem which is poor marketing and sales alignment. So marketing and sales work closely together on developing this matrix um, and this will definitely help uh, with your sales growth. Definitely. One of the most important things you can do is have those tools that are really multi-purpose. And um, we've had clients that have taken this really um, to, to just another level in terms of, um, you know, we don't have clear documentation of our solution. We don't even understand what it is that we're selling. It's all really kind of um, start with the blank page and, and we're super flexible and consultative. And through the process of building out a problem opportunity matrix, they've been able to really refine what their solutions are. And then, like you said, it's a tool for marketing, it's a tool for sales, because you're building it together, you're improving your teamwork, you're refining things, you're testing, you know, here's what we think the problem it solves for is. And then you go out to market and people don't seem to care about that. But people are still buying it. So they've got to be buying it for some reason. So how can you figure out why they're buying it? Maybe you can ask them. Um, and through the through the process of developing the content, and then of actually implementing it and using it and validating it. Um, there's there's just immense power in, in that simple tool. So we come back to the problem opportunity matrix a lot, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's an active living tool that will definitely help um, with that. Awesome, guys. So thank you so much for answering these questions so thoroughly. I think that our listeners definitely will get a lot from this episode. And for our listeners, you can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 197. And tune in next week for Elizabeth's interview with Jerome DeRoy. He's the CEO of Narrative, and he actually was on our podcast before. So feel free to listen to his older episode. We will include it in the show notes. So currently, we're writing about assessing the state of your business on the CFS blog. Be sure to check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Ratings and reviews help the show and they help people find us and we really appreciate it. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Laura Marchoff, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling.